In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, John twenty sixteen. Mary didn't recognize the risen Lord until he said her name. Sheep recognize their shepherd's voice and follow him. My baby raccoons recognize my voice and are soothed. We will recognize our creator's voice when we cry out, hard as that may seem to realize, we will. Be quiet and listen. Remember when we were young and in trouble, all of a sudden our whole name was turned, was trotted out? Vivian Ann Bagley. And I knew it. I'd been caught in the thick of it. My parents' voices were unmistakable. Thank goodness I wasn't born a royal. Can you imagine hearing Anne Elizabeth Alice Louise get off that horse immediately? When Jesus said Mary, he said it tenderly. He used her first name. He wasn't angry. He wanted to put her mind at ease. Our names are very personal. In some cultures, your real name is for your family's use only. I have a difficult time with people I hardly know calling me by my first name unless I've invited them to do so. But God knew me first. I'll listen for him to embrace me with his voice, whispering my name. Good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. And my guest this week is Juliet Whalen, a mother who unlocked the world of her autistic child with love. I'll be talking about homeland security and other issues involved as we prepare to move to England for a year. The ease of keeping raccoons, at least from my blue-eyed cowboy's perspective, on our memorable Memorial Day dinner. Settle back in your deck chair, sip your tea and relax while I chat for the next hour about the dismantling of the family of the family household that's right well my mic probably sounds a whole lot better this week i was just telling the toginet crew that um for a whole year and a half now i've been thinking that my mic goes with me everywhere i move but apparently it wasn't working and it was my computer mic that was picking up my voice so um we've solved that after 18 months and also uh, my kids did a fabulous job cooking us our memorial day dinner on monday and we had like six or eight people over over and you know besides our six in our family boyfriends girlfriends and old friends and um, we had a really wonderful meal and it was very very calm and quiet and um, well civilized I suppose you'd say and I'm trying to get rid of some of my better plants plants that I've had around for 25 or 30 years given to me by friends who have moved on and um, I don't fully trust my zookeeper son to remember to water them because in this brutal heat they need water every single day but um, so far I've got rid of two and um, hopefully I can get rid of another two um, this week anyway Big news! I became an American citizen! 
After the intervention of my congressman, Sam Johnson, I went for my final interview just this past Tuesday. It was the last day of May. And I followed my officer down a long, long corridor to his office, which was right at the very end. And I made a mental note of the framed copy of the Declaration of Independence on his wall with the date, just in case it was one of my questions. I had to swear that everything I was about to say was the truth or very formal. Then I had to review my paperwork to make sure that all the information was correct. I had to sign my two photographs on the photo in the little white bit and state that I had never been involved in terrorist activity or helped anyone gain illegal entry into the country. And I was asked if I'd be prepared to bear arms for America if required by law, and I nodded. And I thought, if you really want me to, but aren't I a bit long in the tooth for that now? Then came my test. I had to get six out of ten questions correct. And I did. I got the first six right. And I read a sentence in English. When is Columbus Day? Then I wrote a dictated sentence. Columbus Day is in September. And the officer said, congratulations, you've passed. He said, I'm recommending you for naturalization. And he made me an appointment to attend my pledge ceremony later that afternoon. So I rejoined my blue-eyed cowboy who had been waiting in the waiting room for about 20 minutes. And we potted around for three hours. We got coffee and browsed in my favorite store, Barnes & Noble, where I spent a gift card I'd been given for my birthday. And on my return to the Homeland Security offices, I had to fill out yet another form declaring that during the time between the time of my interview and now I hadn't got married or divorced I hadn't left the country or been arrested well obviously no was the answer to all of those questions so hubby and I were allowed into the ceremony room and I lined up for my number and sat in my assigned seat and he was able to sit right behind me with video camera at the ready it was actually my iPod and the ceremony began promptly at 1.45 and it was quite an experience I must say it was very nice it wasn't just kind of like a stamp and hand you a naturalization certificate they really you know made a big thing out of it we were welcomed by um, the presiding officer and we sang the national anthem with our right hand on our heart and then all the candidates were recognized as we stood when our country was called there were only two Brits among the 67 new citizens and 27 countries were represented I sat next to a Brazilian and an Indian and there was a man from Ghana a lady from Polynesia several from China Taiwan Thailand some from Vietnam Pakistan and Mexico oh there were lots and lots of countries everyone was told that if they had children whether they had green cards or not they too were becoming American citizens that day that was interesting and we were also given information on where to go to find out how to bring other family members to America, our sisters and brothers and parents, who to become citizens eventually too. And it sounded a bit like a sales pitch, but of course it wasn't. I realized just how diverse and all-embracing America is and how she lives up to the words of the sonnet by Emma Lazarus, which is engraved inside the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty. You'll recognize the lines I'm talking about, but I'm going to read you the whole sonnet because it's quite beautiful. It's called The New Colossus. 
Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame with conquering limbs astride from land to land, here at our sea-washed sunset gate shall stand a mighty woman with a torch whose flame is the imprisoned lightning and her name Mother of Exiles. From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbour that Twin Cities frame. Keep ancient lands your storied pomp, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. So the sonnet talks of the millions of immigrants who came and still flock to the United States. And although the statue wasn't originally a symbol of immigration, Lazarus's poem permanently stamped on Miss Liberty the role of unofficial greeter of incoming immigrants. That was interesting. We repeated the oath of allegiance. We had to say it phrase by phrase after the presiding officer. The words were all about supporting and defending, renouncing and abjuring, bearing of arms and the giving of allegiance, all with the help of God. Then we watched a video of President Obama welcoming us as new citizens and listened to a patriotic song by Lee Greenwood called God Bless the USA. Then we all stood to recite the Pledge of Allegiance. The officer ended by reminding us to vote and enjoy the freedoms of our newly adopted land. Our naturalization certificates were distributed and we were warned to check them carefully for mistakes for if we found an error that day it would be corrected for free but thereafter we would be charged $350 for a correction. Then Hubby took a photo of me in front of the flag and we both left as American citizens and the next day I went to get my passport to complete the process and I have it in my hands as we speak. Yay! Thanks to everyone who persuaded and eventually helped me to fully embrace America as my adopted country. Quite an event. Well, the raccoons arrived home last week after a very traumatic visit to a school. They were gone for four days and nights and came home dirty and dehydrated. The male raccoon, whom I named Thor, was in a particularly miserable state. He evidently didn't do very well away from his mum. He hadn't eaten anything for the four days, and he takes a lot of special coaxing and was as thin as a rail, weak and dehydrated, mewing pathetically. I literally had to force Pedialyte down his throat every 30 minutes for three hours until he fell asleep and was unrousable. I actually thought he was going to be dead in the morning, but he was a little bit better and still not moving much, but his noise had progressed to a louder bleat. I fed him formula ounce by ounce every two hours throughout the day, and eventually by evening he was beginning to show signs of life. By the following day he was a new raccoon. I'd saved his little life. And the two of them are lovely to watch. Sally is about three weeks older than Thor, and she latches her eyes on me while she feeds, and now she can hold the bottle more or less on her own. She'll contentedly suck away on her back for 30 minutes at a time while I feed the more demanding Thor. I ran out of kitten formula on Memorial Day, so I decided to enrich the regular milk I was giving them with bananas. So they're now having a banana smoothie every time they eat, and they love it. The Dasher Double Cream is a raccoon hit, too. They do take a lot of time because after I feed them they enjoy a little bit of a snuggle in my lap but I must admit 
their care, helps me to unwind and relax for about 30 minutes a couple of times a day amid the chaos of getting ready to move. And I'll probably keep them through the weekend. I think I'm going to give them back on Sunday. Hubby actually says they are such fun to have. Really not much work. He watches me do that. He and the rest of the family. They just play with them. Well, we sold the Lincoln over the weekend. He, my hubby took it to a very populated part of town and parked it in a car park with signs and contact information in the windows. He also included the price, wise man. Within three hours, it had sold. We didn't have to haggle on the price or anything. Yesterday, my good friends came over and said they wanted to buy our PT Cruiser. They'd been approved for a loan. They test drove it and announced that they wanted it and we could keep it until Tuesday night. Phew! Thank you. Lord. But now the rear brake sounds as though they need replacing. (laughs) Typical. Well, I've got to go on a break, so uh, stay with me. I'm going to run and get myself some iced water, and I'll be back after this. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Get ready to laugh along with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Allie Lopreet. Friday evenings at 6, 5 central on Togedet.com. This is a truly realistic, no-nonsense, tell-it-like-it-is method that will have you laughing and crying, surviving while struggling, and hammering away at the hardships as you travel through the greatest journey of your life. Get empowered by joining thousands of other parents who have also decided to take a leap of faith into a double career with longer hours and half the pay simply because of the love they have for their children. Together, we are rebuilding a new economy that will support us rather than enslave us. Never again will we have to choose between raising our children and earning to provide for them. It won't be easy, but it will be worth it. For more on Allie and her success, check out her website, OurMilkMoney.com. So come get empowered with This Little Parent Stayed Home with Allie Lopreet. Friday afternoons at 6, 5 Central on Toginet.com. Come be a part of Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio. Her goal is to inspire you to be creative every day. Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio, Monday afternoons at 4, 3 Central on Toginet.com. Pat lives and breathes being creative through her quilt design business, but her creativity and interests have no bounds. On her show, she'll be introducing us to guests through interviews and talks that have a creative life. We'll learn more about what goes on in the world of quilting. And since Pat, like many of us, is creative in many ways, she'll also introduce us to creative people in other crafts like knitting, crochet, paper arts, and lots more. Pat is also an author, a lecturer, designer, and cheerleader of many. She's tried her hand at making almost everything you can think of and does many crafts to keep her inspired to create. Check out her website, patsalone.com. What makes Pat most happy is to inspire others to be creative every day. So join us for Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio, Monday afternoons at 4, 3 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. Well, I'm back, 
And my guest this afternoon is Juliet Whalen, a remarkable mother who stepped out of her comfort zone to help her autistic child. Juliet is a writer and she homeschooled her two sons for a couple of years until they decided to return to their public school. And today she's going to tell us her story of how she stood up to the school system and refused to let her autistic son be labeled and put in a box. Welcome, Juliet. Thank you. Glad to be Um, here. How are you today? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, well, good, good. Well, Juliet, I um, introduced you a little bit um, Mm -hmm. as a writer and um, how you um, decided to pull your sons out of um, the public school. But before we talk about that, let's let's have a little um, talk about um, your family, you know, how you Mm -hmm. were raised as a child. You know, did you go to regular school? Had you heard of homeschooling before and all that kind of stuff? So tell us a little bit, bit about you. That's a great question. You know, um, I was raised in Springfield, Massachusetts, where um, we all saw the tornadoes that just happened. And as a matter of fact, my uh, high school just got chewed up by that tornado. Oh. I went to Catholic, full Catholic education, mm-hmm. and um, never had I heard of homeschooling, except for a little house on the prairie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when yeah. Mom and Paul would do it. But mm-hmm. that would be about it. Um, uh-huh. I, I, I went to a Catholic college and yeah, I, I, I never even set foot in a public school. So I really, I really, um, had to learn a lot running. Yeah. <laughs> once, my, yeah. once my feet hit the ground, I just had to go with it and keep researching and learning and asking questions and, yeah. and so being were you there. Close, were you close to your family? Did you have brothers and sisters? I do. I do. I have a brother that is 18 months younger than me, a sister three years younger, and another sister five years younger. Okay. Okay. Well, interesting. So you had a pretty yeah. tra- traditional upbringing. Very, right? very traditional right. upbringing. Yeah. So um, I want to talk to you now a little bit about um, why did you, because you um, wrote and on your blog, you've also written about um, how you stood up to your the school system. Now, the school that we're talking about is a public school, right? It sure is. It sure is. Yeah. And, and it, to tell you the truth, it's one of the better public schools in our area. I love the teachers. Mm-hmm. I love the students. Um, I even... I had I, a respect for the administrators as well because we are all doing the best we can. Yeah, and I think a lot of times what we come yeah. up against is the system. You know, right. this is just how it's done, and it's very difficult mm-hmm. to change. So, tell your story. Oh, it sure is. And <laughs> and a lot of the time, public schools, their interests—I think all schools probably—their interests, their motivation is actually. Um, the money and the funding and keeping federal fu- funding coming. And the problems we ran into were this was during the age of No Child Left Behind was just introduced. So a lot of the funding was slashed. Um, schools were scrambling to to uh, pare down the special ed department, or in our school we called it the resource center. Mm-hmm. So instead of having... Um, each child have their assistant, it went down to maybe we could have five children share an assistant. And an autistic child and a Down syndrome child and a blind child could maybe all share. Uh (laughs) And they all have very different needs. Mm -hmm. You can't shoehorn this group of kids. So um, I know they tried. 
I know they tried. I sat and I hugged a lot of the teachers when they were crying because they just couldn't get through to my little boy. And for whatever reason, I could. So they looked at me and said, Juliet, he's the only person. Uh, or you're the only person he will listen to. You're the only person whom he will make eye contact with. You're the only person who has a funny communication with him, and we don't really understand how you make it work, but we cannot. Mm-hmm. And and it was very sad for all of us. It was like breaking up a marriage somehow because I had volunteered for five years teaching their art literacy program. I taught up to three classes a week. I was slated to be the head of the PTA. I, I was in charge of the Futuring Committee for our district. I, I did a lot. Yeah, and you were very involved. Very involved. Well, yeah. my child was failing to thrive, mm-hmm. and the only way I could keep him on campus is if he knew I was on campus. Then he mm-hmm. wouldn't have to go home mm-hmm. or run out of the classroom because he knew Mommy was there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. why would he do that? Mm-hmm. Um it was good for a little bit of time, and then it, Jonathan got to a stalemate where he just refused to work with them. And the teachers were in a position where if their children don't perform, they don't get paid. Okay. So it was a very grave situation. And I thought, well, I, I could fight. I could go to court. I could ask for I knew my rights as a parent. The district could pay for a special educational school that was hundreds of miles away. But I thought, I don't want to use my child's head as a battering ram to prove a point. Mm -hmm. Why don't I just take him out and love him and teach him like I know how to do? I taught him how to use the bathroom. I taught him how to eat. I taught him how to speak. I should be able to do the rest of this. Mm -hmm. And went forward from there. Okay, so um, how did you stop? Did you take both your boys out? Well, um, in February, it was very clear at an IEP meeting, which is individual, ed- individualized education. Um, I, I can't remember what the P stands for. Is it but program? Program. Program. Thank you. The simplest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we block out what we don't want to think about. But during mm-hmm. during that meeting, the principal looked at me uh, with her clipboard held to her chest, saying, "You know, your child will never read." And I looked at the special education director, and he said, "It's true. We've tried everything. He will never ever become a reader or a writer." And but do you know he's still a perfectly fine human being? Mm-hmm. I I didn't know what to say. I slammed my hands down on the table and I and I started screaming ding 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 and they're looking at me like I was crazy. But mm-hmm. all I could think of is wrestling. Here we are, we're wrestling with one another. I'm pinning mm-hmm. you. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. making the decision. This game is over. Mm-hmm. Um and I said, you know, I'll keep my son in here for the rest of the year because it's important that he finish this out, and it's important for our family to see, and for you to have one more chance to try to do this. Mm-hmm. And I will be here every day. And and in those classes that will not include him, I will take my son to the resource, I'm sorry, to the resource center, to the library, and we will work on reading. We will work on computer programs, and we will... So I started homeschooling him in, in school during school hours when... Teachers were receiving a paycheck for what I was doing. Wow. Uh, before the end of the year, he started reading. 
Wow. And at the end of the year, um, it was very clear I would take Jonathan out. Andrew, our youngest, who is two years younger, but only a grade apart, said he wanted to homeschool too. And if John was going to do it, Andrew was going to do it. Okay, I thought, wow, boy, didn't I bite off more than I can chew. (laughs) I have a special needs kid, and now I have an honor roll student who is irrepressible. (laughs) What am I going to do? Well, we signed them up with a local homeschooling group, which was a charter school, so that meant no charge. And so still it was technically public school. Mm -hmm. And... Before the end of the first trimester, both boys were doing, um, Andrew was doing a grade above, Jonathan was doing six months behind. So I was able to teach the same lessons and bring them both up to speed and then a little bit further. Mm-hmm. So the, at the end of the first year, um, we had speech therapy for Jonathan and we had both boys performing marvelously at grade appropriate level and Andrew our youngest was now a grade ahead second year we had so many problems with the homeschooling group with um, problem kids because evidently in our area those kids that the school cannot serve they go they go to homeschooling there's nothing else for them and and you just don't want to stick that group of kids together (laughs) if they can't maintain in an environment with other kids why should we put them all in one box that just that didn't work out for us so the second year I started our own homeschool and did all the paperwork and made sure we were compliant with the state and everything and ended up creating our own curriculum Textbooks were too expensive, and then I found the year before I found so many errors in our textbooks. All right, <laughs> history was the worst. I mean, mm-hmm. there were blatant lies in the history mm-hmm. books, and I, I was very upset by that. Anyhow, we found we found a different way of doing it, and before I knew it, I was unschooling which I didn't know what that was, but it just came organically, this whole movement of where you can learn without using a book. You can learn without sitting in a chair. You can learn with your environment. You can learn with, with your passion rather than, rather than pushing. We were using passion. And the children had their likes, and we would follow their likes, and you could, you could do a literature uh, program off of their favorites or or a math program off of their favorites or mm-hmm. anything. We just followed the curiosity, and then learning became so blessed. It really mm-hmm. did. It was mm-hmm. a pleasure. Mm-hmm. And so what you did, what it sounds to me as though you did, was you decided that you could, in fact, mm-hmm. educate your own children, and you did it yeah. within the confines of a school, and then you broke mm-hmm. away and did it right. under the umbrella of a charter homeschool, and right. then you completely broke away. And so, you know, I, I think <laughs> some parents get really worried. They go, oh, I can't do that, you know, and they yeah. think there's this kind of, um, I don't know, magic enigma around, yeah. you know, 
teachers can do it. And you obviously were shown that teachers weren't able to do this. You had to do it because, you know, the one-on-one, you knew your child really well. And, Juliet, we have to go on a break, but um, we'll be back to talk some more in um, about 90 seconds. For those of you just joining us, I'm talking to Juliet Whalen, and she's telling us how she pulled her two boys out of the public school system and homeschooled them herself. So um, come back and join us as we continue our conversation. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Christian work-at-home moms, here is your own show on Toginet. It's CWAM, Christian work-at-home moms, with Jill Hart and Diana Innan. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Central on Toginet. Um, I'd love to share with you just a little bit about how CWAM can help you, whether you are new to the work-at-home world and just starting out your search, or whether you've been working at home for a while and are looking to grow your business. Jill Hart is the founder of Christian Work-at-Home Moms, CWAM.com, and co-author of So You Want to Be a Work-at-Home Mom. Jill has worked from home from 2000 and started her home-based business to assist other Christians who desire to work from home while maintaining a godly life. And Diana Ennett with virtualwordpublishing.com. I really, truly want to see you succeed, want to share the joy that I have in being home with my kids and being able to build my own business. And she's ready to help you now. Christian Work at Home Moms with Jill Hart and Diana Ennett. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Central on Toginet. Get ready for the Not-So-Soccer Mom Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on Toginet with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad. The Not-So-Soccer Mom will weigh in on it all. The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. In the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus, and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping, and politics into an actual website and thus NotSoSoccerMom.com was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is Laugh Out Loud Funny, and we're not kidding. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing, chronicling her opinions on everything? The wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the Not-So-Soccer Mom with Jill Hickey. Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, I'm back, and Juliet Whelan and I are talking about um, how she went out on a limb and decided that she needed to do the one-on-one teaching of her autistic son, Jonathan, and her younger son, Andrew, decided he also wanted to jump on the bandwagon and be taught by mum. And um, I was saying that um, as as moms, we step outside our boxes for our, for our children. We really go out of our comfort zones in order to be able to do things for our children. That's the fierce love of mothering. So um, tell me, Juliet, um, how did you do that? I know that you were talking um, in 
particular ways to your autistic son. Um, oh, tell me um, how you communicated with him. Well, um, when he was tiny, uh, around the age of two, he started losing words. And by the time he was three, he was in verbal or really? nonverbal for quite a while. I want to say about eight months. Mm-hmm. He grunted and, and nodded or and then eventually stopped making eye, t- eye contact for a little bit. And I had a baby. I had a brand new baby. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time John was three, Andrew was one. And that was a lot going on. We had moved across country and we thought, mm-hmm. well, maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Whatever it was, we needed to communicate. So I would do little things at first like, do you want juice? And I would put it imaginary cup to my face and go or do you want shoes i would tap the bottom of my foot because um, yeah. all he would say is zhuzh and I, mm-hmm. I i couldn't understand him mm-hmm. um before i knew it somehow we had this little pantomime slash nonverbal uh communication going where we could just look at each other and know what the what the other one needed mm-hmm um, and it wasn't until we had playdates and people outside of the family coming over, and they'd say, how did you know what he just said? And I, would, I thought he had said something. I really did. Because mm-hmm. when you're in the same home with someone day in, day out, together, mm-hmm. 24-7, you become more open to one another, and somehow the soul opens up. I'm not really sure what thing happened i'm not pinning it on any one pillar of society but somehow we had nonverbal communication mm-hmm. and to be able to speak with an autistic kid what a great gift wow um it wasn't until john started school that i realized i had that with other kids that i didn't even know mm-hmm. uh, one time we were with a homeschool group, and there was a boy that was completely nonverbal. And the little boy came over to me, and he, and he sniffed me, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was a big deal. He had autism. It was a big deal for the family, and, and he was staring into my eyes, and, and somehow I, just, I, I knew that this little boy felt very okay and safe with me. He reached out for my hand, and we held hands. And it's very animal somehow where these kids are at and by by some grace in the universe i was able to meet my child that way to where he was at and to where other children were at Mm -hmm. and you know that that's just one of the unspoken talents that came in when i surrendered to okay i'm here for my kid Whatever I they love need. The, I love the word that you use. I love that word surrender because it all—it oh, sounds so vulnerable. It was. It was <laughs> I cried every day. Yeah. Every day. I never felt good enough or strong enough or smart enough for for any part of this walk. But what I did know is I loved him enough, mm-hmm. and that I had to keep going and trying and failing. There were so many failures that it, it still surprises me that there was any success. Mm-hmm. Because I was used to knowing that I was going to fail. <laughs> this yeah. was just mm-hmm. insurmountable. But you mm-hmm. know what? I'm going to get up every day and try to push that rock up the hill. Mm-hmm. And well, somehow it happened. 
you used the word animal. I wasn't mm-hmm. going to use it. But, you know, when you were talking about, you know, um, the little boy who yeah. sniffed you and you knew mm-hmm. and he, he knew he was safe with you. Yeah. You know, you've, you've watched these um, guide dogs, um, how yeah. they, they've been trained and mm-hmm. they just tune into the person that they're with. And they seem to know instinctively yeah. what to do they can. Well, I mean, I've had a dog for years and he mm-hmm. knows when I'm sad. He knows sure. when I'm happy. He knows when I'm angry. He just has, he just senses it. Yeah. So it kind of, I'm emanating my emotions mm-hmm. and the animals are picking it up. I think humans maybe have lost some of that sensitivity to pick because there's so much else going on. Well, I think the brain can only take in so much. Yeah. Yeah. And so certain things get cut out of us um, as we evolve. Mm -hmm. Maybe when speech comes in, um, Mm -hmm. the sense of smell deadens or taste Mm -hmm. or, or even touch. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. there's so much that, that, that we're born with that we're so capable of that we don't even know. Yes, I had I had a guest who talked about um, signing and, and talking mm-hmm. to um, children who um, weren't able to hear. Sure. And um, she said they have other skills. Their other senses are so much more, you know, alert and acute um, mm-hmm. to compensate. And so maybe their vision is better, or their their sense their sense free um, skills they feel are, are better. Things. They yeah. feel little ripples in the air somehow. Mm-hmm. I, I have my husband's adult niece and her three children are all deaf. Mm-hmm. And when we get together, somehow my children can communicate with her children. Mm-hmm. My children don't know how to sign and mm-hmm. her children don't hear, but somehow they're telling jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all nonverbal. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying they just stare at one another. That that would be ridiculous. They pantomime. They, they find their way. But... Mm-hmm. One child will sense something and they turn and look the other one in the eye and then look back at what they were looking at and, oh, somehow they get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all the subtleties, all the... Oh, yes, so, it's then, tapping into each other. Yes, yeah, and, and, it, and it builds for a better connection somehow. And yeah. somehow these autistic children that are here in the care of our planet, they, they're here to resensitize us, I believe. Somehow there's so much we need to learn from our kids. Even if they're not, even if they're not special needs or whatever term you'd like to use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, both your boys are back in school. Yes, and doing well. Amazingly, they're both on honor roll, grade mm-hmm. appropriate and honor roll. Mm-hmm. So it's That's Jonathan A's and B's. Speak. So Jonathan's speaking now. He sure is. He speaks clearly, um, and we discontinued his. IEP. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's starting high school in a few months. Wow. In general, regular, plain old everyday kid. And and so what? So what I'm hearing here is that you just kind of seemed to just um, get it going. Release. You yeah. were the facilitator to release something, and then mm-hmm. from then on, he, he didn't he didn't look back. Right. 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 You, you, yes. You know, Honestly, um, do you remember those cartoons where the hunter would make a little box with a stick and a carrot under the box to try to catch mm-hmm. the bunny rabbit? Mm-hmm. And he would sit and wait and sit and wait and sit and wait. Well, that's kind of what education was for John. The box was the education, it was the schoolroom, right? And you're trying to get this really feral critter to come.
come in and sit down in a chair and take the bait, which is so obviously not what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So instead of hunting him, I sat down and I acted like the little bunny rabbit. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I acted like my son. I sat on mm-hmm. the floor. If he wanted to look at something, I would sit and look at something with him. Mm-hmm. And over time, he would come and sit down and see what I was doing because I sat in his world for a while. He came and sat in my world. And then we could open up for communication. And then when he felt safe and when he felt he could communicate and be heard, then he was ready to learn. But no learning could happen for him in a classroom until he was safe mm-hmm. in his mind, in his sensory pickup. So Juliet, mom, unlocked something. You were the key. Mm-hmm. You were the key, and homeschooling helped you to do that. It's a wonderful, wonderful story, yeah. Juliet. And unfortunately, we've come to the end of our um, time together this afternoon. And um, I wish you all the best. You, you, your story is just amazing. Everybody needs to go yeah. to Juliet Whalen, W-A-L-L-E-N. Go, just Google it. You'll get her blog, and she has some lovely, lovely stories on there, very sensitive stories. So, Juliet, thank you so much you. for talking to us and sharing your extraordinary skills that you discovered when you began to homeschool your son and the remarkable journey that both of you have traveled since then. You have a wonderful weekend. Thank you, Vivian. You're welcome. And we'll stay in touch, I'm sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for the grace and having me here. Thank you. Bye. Bye. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Booyah! That's the word uttered when you know you have the upper hand. Or you're the winner. Well, now we have the Booyah Radio Hour with Martin Brassi. Tuesdays at 9, 8 Central on Toginet.com. Martin's show is all about helping speakers and authors find their niche, create their brand, and achieve massive success. Each week, Martin will interview guests from around the world who have achieved tremendous success as speakers and authors. You'll find out who they are, what they do, and how you can follow in their footsteps to achieve incredible results. Guests will come from around the world of business, entertainment, finance, the arts, and sciences. Nothing is off topic. No subject too taboo. We'll share valuable information as well as huge laughs as we discover the ups and downs of being a successful speaker and author. The Booyah Radio Hour with Martin Pressey. Tuesdays at 9, 8 Central on Togedat.com. Okay, we will. We're going to teach you how to tell your money where to go. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Learn how to be a savvy investor from someone who has your best interest at heart. Pam Otten is a financial advisor who loves to help successful business owners and entrepreneurs understand the mysteries of the investment world. And she's not afraid to share that knowledge. Pam is an unashamed Christian and qualified kingdom advisor, which means she's trained and committed to integrating biblical principles into her financial advice. Pam believes investing isn't rocket science. 
This is the financial advisor who's in your corner and truly understands and cares about you and helping you achieve your goals. Securities and advisory services are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. It's Intelligent Investing with Pam Otten on Toginet. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. All right, with less than a week to go before I leave my home for a year... I was thinking about what I will miss. Naturally, the first thing that springs to mind is my children. Although they're grown and have degrees and jobs and apartments or places to live, Simon's living here, I will miss them. They're very much a part of my life, whether it's cooking for me, helping me set up my computer and other electronic accessories I've been gifted with, or just visiting and putting the world to rights, as my mother would say. We find time for each other every day. Homeschooling sowed seeds of companionship and family involvement which we're happily harvesting. My older son, Ian, loves to pose problems and then thrash out ideas to solve them. Simple questions like how to reduce the national debt. If we think the government is way off base, we, the people, are at liberty to speak up about it, right? How far are we as citizens, and I can include myself as one now, prepared to go to convince our federal government that no matter how much the average householder is loved and admired and trusted, he still can't go out and spend money he doesn't have? So why do the bigwigs think they're above the law? You see, my son and I have these kind of highbrow conversations. And if I write a check as a householder without funds in the bank, technically I'm committing a crime. And in reality, the bank won't honor my check without charging me a hefty fee for it. When I was homeschooling political and government classes, dry at its best, I'd always bring world issues that seemed incomprehensible in their enormity down to the more manageable family unit. We would never incur debt that exceeded our assets. And if we did, we'd eventually lose the assets and become homeless and penniless. True, too, with America. If her assets started to be called in to pay off debt, we'd be owned by foreigners and not the citizen kind of foreigners. And our country would no longer be free. As you can imagine, questions like these keep me and my eldest son talking for hours. Then there's Simon. Simon can mimic a person to a T and comes home with either funny patient stories from his job with the Lone Star Ambulance Company or animal stories from his job at the zoo, equally as riveting. He cooks like a pro and many is the times I've been treated to gourmet steaks, homemade sauces and mouth-watering side dishes. Simon will always walk or ride a bike with me. He's never afraid to get active, wet or sweat in the outdoors. We've raised a few animals together and I've killed a few with love. The snakes who roasted in the sun when I thought they'd enjoy the fresh air. We've had discussions about the hereafter and his young mind is very good at understanding that God's answering of prayer, his plans for our lives, don't always align themselves with ours. Prayers are always answered, he contends, but sometimes we have to search for the answer. His favorite book in the Bible? 
Song of Songs. He reads it, listens to it, studies it, and talks about it. Recently, he started listening to podcasts called Things You Should Know while mucking out the Okapi stores. I guess that, guess that gets boring, and so he plugs something into his ears to listen to. And he comes home and spouts impressive pieces of information about the rules of war and mummies and eugenics. My goal always was to instill a love of learning, and here is living proof. Paris, she'll always play a game with me, well, to be honest, with her father, but this is all about things I will miss. So how shall I put this? I'll miss watching her play games with my blue-eyed cowboy. The squeals, the slapping of the table, the skill involved in speed. She'll also play board games. She'll play word games, and I play those. I'll miss the alacrity with which she'll drop everything to help me clean the house, clear out a cupboard, or scour a pot. Together, we compare teaching notes and methods and are surprised at how much parents miss and how much she gains by being with their children most of the day. She loves to swim, so always joins me outside when I'm sitting in the sun. I miss her company. Over the years, I've been able to challenge her and have loved watching her work towards her goals, like lifeguarding, in her own way, at her own speed. She always knows exactly how I like my coffee, my sandwich, my fruit. She'll never buy me a banana nut muffin. She knows the kinds of books I enjoy reading and how to look after me when I'm ill, which is just leave me alone. Then there's Malia, my youngest, but she's coming to England with us, so I'll not be missing her until she moves into her new home in Leon Sea. I'll miss our house, not because of its material value, but because it's been our home and all, all of our married life and our children's lives. It was here that we first laid out a flower bed, built a deck and a fort, put in a pool, planted trees and cut them down when they got too big. First steps were taken on these floors. First words echoed within these walls. Parties were held, dinners were hosted, receptions were given. Rooms were added, mud was spread, walls were painted favourite colours, grown out of and repainted more neutral colours like beige or antique white as it's officially called. This is where we homeschooled. The children studied in their special places, my bed, the living room floor, the kitchen table. This was Simon's spot. It was the centre of the house, full of distractions. Sometimes they studied in their rooms, but not often. This is where all the lights went on for reading and writing, talking and walking, and I was privy to it all. Walls were run into while toddling. Heads were hit on tables. Fingers were crushed in doors. Bones were broken. Chins cut open. Teeth lost and found again for the tooth fairy. A whole family history unfolded here, and Simon is its custodian for a year. I'm already missing the birdsong blending with the traffic noise, the blooming oleander, my back 40, the squirrels in the chimney and the bird nest in the eaves, walking out to the deep freeze in the evening to get a weekly bowl of ice cream, taking trash to the bins in the dark and being sidetracked by a full moon or the brilliant starry night sky. Sitting with young children on the porch to watch the huge trash truck come and do its thing, watching storms through the screen door, homeschooling at its very best. To think cows used to roam in our front garden, and fields stretched for miles where bears and crocodiles abounded. Urban life has encroached, and now we have, mostly for the better, a toll road. An outside mall, theatres, grocery stores, a nursing home amid new neighbourhoods. But we still have wooded trails to walk or ride, nestled among the preservation areas that surround us. Our creek, coyotes, owls, raccoons. These are the things I'll miss. But I'll be back. 
Last weekend, we went to the Wildflower Festival. That always sounds so pretty, doesn't it? And it was beautiful. It was a big concert outside, and we saw an old band. Old in that they were from the 1970s, and also old that the band members looked as though they were in their 70s. REO Speedwagon. They sounded very good live, but I always squirm when I see old men running around the stage with long hair and tight trousers, dancing and jumping as if they were 20 again. I tried to analyse my feelings by talking it out with my rocker Texan. Classical musicians keep going until they retire, and I admire them. Actors keep adorning the silver screen or live stage, but I suppose they play more age-appropriate parts as they mellow, so that's not so bad. Artists keep painting and we rave over their skills. Authors keep writing and I continue to enjoy their work. But the rockers, Mick Jagger singing Jumping Jack Flash and running around like a young thing at 60 just looks odd. I'm sorry, band should be made up of youth. The music belongs to all of us, mostly, but the performance belongs to the youth. Yes, even Led Zeppelin, Cream and Deep Purple. I'd rather hear them or watch them on YouTube. I wouldn't like to see them performing live, trying to create bygone years. I have a good saying from England that I surprised my dinner club friends with a couple of weeks ago. They'd never heard it before. Mutton dressed up as lamb, pretending to be younger than you are. Now, I have to admit that some of the artists from my time have mellowed but have mellowed but then they're the ones that never really flung themselves around stage like Eric Clapton, Elton John, Neil Diamond, Simon and Garfunkel, The Carpenters, Carol King. I was very young when they were around. I think that after our chat my rocker hubby and I still agree to disagree. He loves to watch the bands from his youth carrying on, carrying on while I prefer not to be embarrassed. It's all in the mind. I still think of myself as the young kid and can't help watching the old men up on stage reminding me of my father. Not that he was a rockery turned in his grave at the thought, but you get my drift. Mutton. So while taking a more positive view of leaving America for a year, I've been going over in my head some of the things I won't be missing. However, every time I do, things things I'll miss pop into my head. And a counterbalance is struck, so I end up shedding tears anyway because when all said and done, this has been my home for almost a quarter of a century, and I didn't think I was a putting-down-roots kind of person. One lady at our Cheerio open house on Saturday, given by our priest and his family, asked me, do you really have anything to come back for? And so the mentalist commenced, well, yes, actually, my family, my friends, my good works, my church, my reading and writing groups, for starters. A contrasting thought popped into my head and went more along these lines. Once my mother is gone, will I really have anything to keep me in England? Hmm, good question. Now back to what I won't miss. Again, I find myself thinking, like a child one loves unconditionally. When that child is naughty or driving you crazy with unbounded energy, you can't help but still love her. The things I won't miss are all part of the qualities that make up my adoptive home, good or bad. It's America. Okay, things I won't miss. The relentless heat in the summer. That I can do without. The plunging and rising of temperatures at a moment's notice leaves a lot to be desired, as does the persistent cold rain and the month after month in England. Well, here, the traffic, the rat race, the stress, the convenience. Yes, the convenience. I believe constant availability makes us careless planners of our time. The buildings, the built-upness. 
I'm looking forward to being able to walk, to do my shopping, to not have a car, to use trains and to have countryside. Not that we don't have countryside here, but sometimes it's too vast and remote. See, I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel. <coughs> all in all, I'm excited about starting a new life and living it for a year. This will be the first time we've actually lived in England for an extended period of time, my cowboy and I. So that's exciting. I'm looking forward to letting go of routines and habits, if only for a season, to escaping the rut that I'm stuck in, to changing my routine. And I'm looking forward to the unknown, knowing that God is with me, trusting that God is with me, counting on God to be with me. So on that note, remember, he is with you to the end of times and he knows your name. (coughs) Excuse me. I've managed to go on for another whole hour and it's time for me to bid you farewell for this week. I'm up to my eyes in closing up rooms this weekend and moving furniture. Oh, yes. And packing. We'll probably do some last time to do things like Panda Express, walking the mall, checking out the bike trail a final time, swimming in the pool, firing up the grill. For this week, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my guest Juliet Whalen, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Tina, and Rosemary. Stay tuned for Ali Lepreet next. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on Toginet.